What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. Truth, listen to me, without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Truth and grace together is good medicine. I'm gonna say it again. Truth without grace is mean. You ever met a mean person? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of y'all not saying mm-hmm because you are the mean person in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Grace <laughs> without truth is meaningless. Truth and grace together is good medicine. This is good medicine for a sickness that's taking place in society and in culture and in the time that we live in. And that sickness is called compromise. Would you say that word with me, compromise? And I'm not talking, okay, let's, let's, let's get this together. Say that word with me, say it with your chest. Say compromise. All right, here we go, all right, don't scare me now. And I'm not talking about the healthy compromise uh, that's in agreement with another person. I'm not talking about that sort of compromise. The type of compromise I'm talking about is when you settle, is when you give in, is when you bend morals and values. That's the type of compromise that I'm speaking about today. Uh, This sickness is called the sickness of compromise. And and is it all right if I give you a few symptoms of this sickness today? Is it all right if I share a few symptoms of this sickness today? Uh, Some of the symptoms of the culture of compromise is that it's feelings-based. Not saying that feelings are invalid and that they're wrong. We must be in tune with our emotions and our feelings. But there's a problem when we let our feelings dictate our life. That's a culture of compromise. It's a culture and it's a sickness that is not fact or truth based. If you just feel it with all of your heart, it's right. (laughs) If If I just feel it with all of my heart, It's right, and that is a sickness because everybody in this place knows that if you feel it with all of your heart that you don't want to go to work. You just wake up, I just feel like I shouldn't go. All right with your your feelings. (laughs) Rent is due, baby, mortgage. You're getting the bills. (laughs) If you're in a relationship and you just do what I feel, I'm gonna just do what I feel. There is a problem, that's called the culture of compromise. And you fill in the blank, anytime that your feelings base, it's a sickness and it's wrong. This uh, uh, sickness, uh, the symptoms of it is, if I'm not committed, it's all right. We could just fool around. Ain't no commitment, and that's okay. It's mighty quiet in the house, that's all right. If I settle for comfort, convenience, then that's fine. If I choose to live in my comfort zone and never step outside of that, and if you try to take me out of my comfort zone, we gonna have a problem. Somebody gonna get shanked. That's a problem. Sickness of compromise. 
If you live your life just based on what you see, trends, phases, if you're a person that just get, gets outraged on social media, that's a sickness. People just fighting all day, all night. You ever seen somebody put a post, there'd be 150 comments below it. You just want to fight and argue, and you just want to be fake outraged on social media, and then two days later, you don't even care about what you were fighting about. <laughs> Those are the times that we're living in. It's a time that if you bend morals, that's all right. If you don't have standards, that's all right. If you don't uphold values, that's okay. That's the world that we live in today. And here is the reality. We are called to engage and live in this world that we live in, but not to compromise, not to give in based on what are the trends and what's popular. If somebody else is putting themselves out there on social media, that don't mean you got to put yourself out there on social media. If somebody else is, put, is, just, is just wilding out, that doesn't mean that you have to do it. God is calling us to engage, not ignore, because we, we can't ignore the world that we live in. We can't disconnect from the people that are around us. In fact, we are called to love everyone that is around us, but not partake because those people are doing it. We are called, and I know I sound like an old school preacher right now. I know it, but, but I'm going to give this word in the name of Jesus. I may not look like it, but, I, but I'm going but I'm to be old school. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk, I'm going to speak to you truth today, but with a little grace. No, in fact, a lot of grace because we need a lot of grace. Anybody ever needed grace? <laughs> but, but anybody ever needed truth? Thank God for the people that told you the truth. Thank God for the people that, it, you know what, in the moment it stung, it hurt your feelings, you were upset, you got offended, but, but, but thank God that they told you the truth. Thank God that when you came to church you heard something that, ma that made you just switch your mindset and turn around because it made you better, it made you wiser, and it made you stronger because Lord knows if we just did everything we wanted to do, <laughs> we wouldn't be in this place. But somebody spoke to us the truth. And so, and so we're called to live in this world. We're called to engage, but not compromise. We're called to love, but not partake. We're called to connect, but not consume. Everybody else getting high. It's quiet. Everybody else turning up. Let's do it. Got your assignment due on a Sunday, 6 p.m., we still turning up. <laughs> if everybody else is, it's okay. And we see grace and truth in the life of Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. He embodied and personified grace and truth. When he came to this world, we saw him live in this world, but he was not of the world. He stood out. He was different. He had standard, he had a value, he had a mission, he had a vision, he had purpose, and because of that, he had to, he had to make sacrifices and commit and, and in order to fulfill that, that mission that he was sent for. And so in the same way, God is calling us with purpose, with a mission to stand out, to not just be in the crowd, but to, but to lift up a standard, but to be salt and to be light. And in the same way that he embodied that his desire for us is to do the same thing for us to practice grace and truth. There is a passage of scripture in John chapter 8 where a woman was called out because 
you know, she was messing and fooling around with a man she wasn't married with. And so the Pharisees, you know, the religious people, they pulled her out of the home. And, 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 and you know, I have a little problem with that because they pulled the woman out, but they didn't call out the men. They let him go. Uh, they were a little too gracious on him. But they called the woman out and they put her out and they say, you know what? Such women should be stoned. The Pharisees, the ultra religious conservative folks were saying, you know what? This woman uh, needs to be stoned. And then Jesus comes and he begins to write on the dirt. And, 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 and theologians don't know exactly why he did that and they have different reasons as to what he was doing and what he was writing but that wasn't really the point of, of this passage and really the focus of it but what happens is he says he who is without sin he's looking at the religious people he said if you don't have sin cast the first stone and all of those that were getting ready to stone and put down the woman because she was in a broken state and because she was committing a sin and because she was wilding out uh, uh, and Jesus knew these things and he acknowledged that she was in the wrong but yet he says he who is without sin cast the first stone and those who are ready to throw the stone uh, 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 then all of a sudden when he said that they, they say you know what let me go ahead and uh, let me go ahead and moonwalk my way up out of here Thank God for Jesus because some of us in this place, I'll be the first one to say we're just like that woman in one moment in life that other people accuse you, that other people criticize you, put you down. But when he looked at you, he said, you know what? There is no condemnation if you come to me and if you believe in me and if you put your heart and your trust in me. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, the scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold. Thank God for Jesus. All things are made new. And so he says, if you're without sin and you're accusing this woman, go ahead, throw the stone. And they all leave. And then he looks at the woman and he says, woman, who condemns you? And she says, no one. He says, neither do I. But here it is. He gave grace. But then he says, the other passage is very important. He says, but sin no more. Grace and truth. And God is calling us to be in the world, but not of the world. In fact, there are two passages in scripture, John chapter 15 and John chapter 17, where Jesus uh, 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 shares this concept that you are in the world, that you are sent in the world. You're called to your job. You're called to, to, to connect and have fellowship and have relationships with all types of people around you, but he, he's called you in the world, but not to be of the world and its systems. That if the world is doing it, he's saying, be set apart. That if the world is partaking, and you'll be the one to say, I'm going to be set apart and I'm going to set a standard. That if everyone else is going crazy, I'm going to uphold the values of the scriptures. I don't know if there's anybody in this place that would say, I want to be a person that stands out from the crowd. I want to be the head and I don't want to be the tail. I want to be somebody that is salt and I want to be somebody that is light. Because here's what I want to tell you. The world is going crazy, y'all. <laughs> And we need now more than ever, we need men and women that will uphold these values, this ancient faith that is over 2,000 years old and has transformed billions of people and we are losing people, we're losing their minds and people are bending morals and losing their standards and, for, and, just, and just partaking in any old thing, the sickness of compromise. But now more than ever, God wants us to be people that will set a standard in the world but not of the world. In this series, we are going to begin to discover for, for the entire month of March, how do we stand firm in our faith, but at the same time love well? Because here is what I realize: extremes are not good. 
We, we, there was an extreme in a, in, in a church pattern, and maybe you came from that, that they were on the extreme of truth, and they were just hitting you, and they were just hitting you, and they would accuse you, and they would put you down. If you looked a certain way, the church would put you down. If, if, you, if you came and with a certain struggle, the church will put you out. Maybe some of you were rejected, and so, and so you had this concept of, of an extreme truth, a legalistic truth, and then, and then and there was no grace, there was no understanding, there was no love in the mix. And, and so that wasn't good, but then you have grace where just do anything, I won't tell you the truth, I don't wanna offend you, uh, just, go, just go ahead, act how you wanna act, talk like you wanna talk, behave how you wanna behave, and, and it's just grace, yeah, I just love you, man, go ahead and hurt me, and do what you wanna say, whatever you wanna say, and there's no, there's no that's, that's not love. Real love, there's correction in real love. In my marriage, there's times where we have to correct one another. We have to speak the truths to one another. We have to, we're gracious, but we have to practice. In our family, we have to correct one another. We have to speak truth to one another. Everything in a spirit of love. Everything done in a spirit of love. So throughout this month, we're going to talk about how do we stand firm but love well. And as I was beginning to, to uh, look at the scripture, who embodied this beside Jesus? Uh, how do, where, where can we get a good picture of someone who stood firm and loved well. And then I came across the book of Daniel. And so I'm just going to give you a little context of the book of Daniel, and then I'm going to share a few points with you, and then we're going we're gonna to sing a little more worship and get up out of here before it starts snowing up in here. <laughs> in the Old Testament, there was a prophet by the name of Daniel who had this same dilemma. He was in a world that wasn't one with which he was familiar See, what happened is that he was a part of, of, of the people of Israel and they were taken captive because they had a king who was completely corrupt. And so because of that, the people were subdued and they were taken into captivity. And so he was a part of three exiles to a land called Babylon. And so they were taken captive into a land called Babylon, people that, that had a home and people that had their identity tied to one place now were forced to move into another. And he moved to one place where they, where they practiced Torah, the scripture. He had a fear for the Lord. He had a relationship with God, but now he's being forced into a place where they're paganistic and they're religious, but they worship false idols. And so here he is. His identity is taken. This was around 605 BC before Jesus. And so he's taken into a place called Babylon. And while he's there, he is a man that, that went there when he was a young man. And he was there for 70 years while, while it was taken in captivity, but he stood firm even in the midst of them changing his name and taking his home and whatever he was familiar with, and now he was a part of a world, a system that was corrupt, that, that were, were trying to take away his dietary, even his dietary restrictions. They were trying to take that away from him, and they were trying to enforce him and to live a lifestyle that was paganistic, but Daniel stood, uh, stood uh, the test of, of wanting to compromise, and he stood firm on his faith in the midst of a paganistic culture he was a he became a prophet not only a prophet but he became one of the th uh, three people that led Babylon he became a head administrator uh, in the province of governors not only did, did he was he a prophet but he was also a leader that uh, uh, raised in the ranks of Babylon and so here he is he stood firm he stood pure in the midst of a time 
that everything was telling him to compromise. You might have heard stories of Daniel, the, the popular story of him and his friends, uh, uh, the story in, in Daniel where his friends were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in a fiery furnace and the Lord delivered them from the fiery furnace. You might have heard the story of him when he was in the lion's den and the Lord delivered him from being eaten up by lions. You might have heard the story of his prophecies. It's a historical book and it's a prophetic book and he's talking about the future arrival of a Messiah, and so now we are studying the book of Daniel, and we're gonna look into his life. How did he maintain his purity? How did he maintain his faith and keep the word always alive in his life, even in the midst of a culture and a society that was telling him to do otherwise? And I believe that there are three things that he practiced, and this is what I wanna share with you today, and we're gonna, we're gonna really get in depth in the book of, uh, in the book of Daniel throughout the, the month of March, but I believe he did three things that really helped him to stand firm in his faith. Are you ready to catch these points that I'm getting ready to throw at you? Are you ready? Here is what he realized, and here's what I want you and I to realize. Let me throw this first point at you. Your days and my days are numbered. Hmm. Your days are numbered. When you realize this truth, you choose to live life every day with a sense of purpose and urgency. When you realize my days are numbered. Look at what the scripture says in Psalm cha chapter 90 verse 12. Look at what it says. It says Psalm 90 12. Teach us, this is the psalmist speaking to the Lord. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I love the, 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 another version that says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. If you had 30 days to live, what would you do in the next 30 days? I know it's quiet because we're all young and you're like, I don't want to hear about this. I want to live a long life. But here's the reality. Our days are numbered. If you had 30 days to live, if you were to assess your life, your choices, your decisions, your relationships, your walk with God, what would you stop doing? And what would you start doing? When you realize that your days are numbered, you realize that you have to start practicing the word no more. So it, it, when, you, when you live with this concept, you stand firm knowing that, that, that whatever comes your way, that you have to approach it with the mindset, I have to approach it with grace and with truth. I can't bow down and I can't compromise. You must say no. So when you are tempted to hold on to a grudge, no, because my days are numbered. I don't know who I'm speaking to. When you're tempted to compromise and, 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 and step out of your marriage, you got to say no. Because my days are numbered. I got to maximize. I got I to gotta, I live my full potential. I have to serve God with everything within me. When, when, when the temptation is, you're young, you're young. You don't have to serve God now. You got you to gotta say no. My days are Numbered. See, we take for granted when we feel we have a lot of something. <laughs> when the fridge is full, you ain't worried about a thing. <laughs> Any of y'all like me ever open the fridge just to look at the food? 
You're not getting anything out of it. You're not hungry. No, nobody like me. I just, and sometimes I just go in there and I just look. That's for later. <laughs> but, but you've been on the other side of that when you ain't got nothing in there. <laughs> Panic mode. <laughs> when you look at the bank account, whoo, Lord is blessing us. You ain't got no worries. When you think you have a lot of something, you take that thing for granted. And it's not until you realize it's limited that you say, oh no, I have to make the most of what I have. I can't take this for granted. And the same is true about our time. We take our time for granted and we say, you know what, tomorrow or next week, and we say, you know what, that's for the future, not realizing our days are numbered, but we have to stand firm and say, I have to fulfill my life's purpose. I have to live my life with a sense of urgency. I have to stand firm. I must not compromise when the temptation temptation is to bow down to the temptations around me. Our days are numbered. Here's the second thing that I believe when you realize this truth, it will help you stand firm. When you're unfocused and too busy, that will make it very difficult for you to stand firm. I feel like I'm just talking to the YouTube people. <laughs> It's mighty quiet up in that. Can you give me a good amen to let me know you're doing all right? Okay, I know, it's because I know, I know how truth comes. I know you're just sitting there like, oh, oh man, I got. When you're unfocused and you're too busy, being occupied and being productive is not a bad thing. But when you are too busy that you're not fruitful, there's a problem. When you're not focused, it, 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 that does not help for you to stand firm and love well. What does an unfocused or too busy life look like? Your priorities are not front and center. When you're not focused and too busy, you put off focusing on people and principles that matter most to you. When you're unfocused or too busy, you don't check on how you're spending your time. You don't reorder your schedule as needed. You don't stop the constant push and pull in life for what God has for you. That's, that, that's, what, that's what gets you unfocused and too busy. But, but in order for you to stand firm, you've got to be focused. And what does focus mean? Focus is putting first things first. Putting first things first. The key to focus and standing firm is maintaining order. You have to have priorities in the right sequence. Let's look at what the scripture says because Jesus spoke on this about priority and having things in the right order. Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 through 33. So do not worry saying what shall we eat? That was me looking at my fridge. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. See, the, fo the folks who worship idols, the folks who are unfocused, the folks who compromise, they're worried about their possessions. They're worried about what can I obtain for me? I don't care about others. I don't, I don't care about how others feel. I don't care about, about building the kingdom of God. See, those people work. What, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? How can I obtain this? How can I obtain this? That. He's saying those people run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He's speaking to you, but seek first his kingdom. That's talking about priority. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Thank you, Lord. 
When, when I have my perspective on this word, it begins to change and shift. When I get this picture in my head, I begin to, to wonder more about what matters to God. How can I advance the kingdom of God? How can I make the most out of the life that God has given me? Because I'm not focused or too busy for his kingdom, for a relationship with him, for having intimacy and prayer and in the word of God. My perspective changes when I focus on this. See, I want you to write this down. Our perspective on order will determine our capacity. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Our perspective on order will determine our capacity. I've realized this is my testimony and this can be your testimony. When I focus and put God first before everything and anything, I'm able to do more. When I put him, the kingdom of God, his righteousness, his priorities, and when I align the priorities that God has entrusted me with, when I put those things in order, I get more done and my priorities are clear and I'm able to stand firm. But if I'm not focused and I'm too busy, my priorities are not aligned. I don't invest in the people and in the things that I should and I'm not, I'm not able to withstand the difficult days. And so in order for us to stand firm and love well, we must be focused and align priorities based on his heart for our lives. Let me give you this third thing. I'm running through these. The time is now. The time is now. The time is now. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I needed that because y'all scaring me up in here. <laughs> See, there's a when-then syndrome. One day when I get married, then I'll be happy. <laughs> One day when I get my dream job, then I'll give to the church. One day when I'm older and I don't have anything going for me, then I'll give my life to the Lord. But right now, Jesus is about to turn up, man. <laughs> See, there's a when-then syndrome. When I get this, then I'll do this. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When a when-then syndrome, and I just want to tell somebody that that one day has to be today. For too long, you have been saying one day, and the Lord brought you to the house to tell you that today is the day. No more excuses, no more compromise, no more giving in. I wish I had somebody in the house that would lift up their hands and say, today is my day, God. Today is a day that I will not give in and I will not give up. Today is the day that I will trust you. Today is the day. It's been years and you'll be saying tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll write the book that's in my heart. Tomorrow or next year I'll write the songs that God has given. That next year I'll fulfill my calling. Next year, soon, I got to get my life together before I give my life to Jesus. You got it all wrong. You got to start serving. Give your life first, and then Jesus will begin to change and transform you. 
That's like saying I need to get I need to get healed before going to a hospital. That doesn't happen that way, baby. You got to come to the house. You got to come to the place in order to get your healing. One day, one day, one day, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now. Someone say now. I feel like preaching this thing. Won't you look at the person beside you and tell him now. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I want to declare to somebody that you've been saying one day for too long. Don't wait any longer. This is the day for you to trust God. This is the day for you to get your breakthrough. This is the day to begin to see the glory of God over your life. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad this day on this day this day I'm not gonna give up on this day I'm not gonna compromise on this day I'm gonna give God my heart on this day I won't bow down to all of these idols and all of these distractions and all of these things that want to pull me away on this day I refuse to give in to my emotions. I refuse, I wish I had somebody in this place, to give in to depression. I refuse to give in to this anxiety on this day. Someone say on this day. Look at the person beside you and tell him on this day. This is the day God brought you to this place. Not because it's another Sunday. Not because it's a religious experience. Not because somebody forced you. He brought you to tell you that the time is now. I don't know who this is for. But God is telling you it's here and it's now. No more excuses. No more putting aside the purpose of God over your life. No more putting aside the call of God over your life. Baby, I know you've been hurt. I know you had to shed tears. I know they didn't believe in you. I know they put you down. I know you got discouraged. But now, my God, I feel like preaching this thing. I wish I had a real church up in here that would. Now. I know that they try to hold you back. I know the relationship didn't work out. I know that they left you and they abandoned you. But the Lord is telling someone now, 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 now. I don't have the resources, God. Now. You've been saying that for years and haven't done anything with it. God is giving you those dreams, those visions, those things that you dream about at night, those things that you have daydreams about when you're at your job, that vision, that business, that thing that he's called you to do, to not compromise, to not give up, that he's put in you. And you've been saying, God, I don't know when. And Jesus is telling you, now. For years been playing the fence. One day I got my foot in, the next day I got my foot out. He's saying now, what are you waiting for? He will do things that you've never seen, things that ears have never heard. 
are the things that he has prepared for you when you say, now is my time. God, I surrender. I give, I, give, I give up on my ways and I say yes to your ways. I give up on wanting to do what pleases me and I say yes to your word. I say yes to your will. Now is the time. Because I said tomorrow and tomorrow became months. Tomorrow became years. And while I was saying tomorrow, I would bow down to anxiety. I would, I would bow down to fear. I know I'm speaking to somebody in this house. I would bow down to pride. I would bow down to wanting to just build my kingdom that I forgot about yours. Hmm. He's saying now, today is the day that he brought you into the house to say now. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also, make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at my hope center i also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content make sure to share it with your friends and your family there's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages so make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the hope huddle podcast so again i hope to see you soon until then peace love and god bless